The Explore Oregon podcast is brought to you by the Statesman Journal, newspaper of Salem in the state capital since 1851. I'm your host, Zach Ernest, and in each episode, producer David Davis and I highlight Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places. In this edition, we're talking about the hikes where you can discover Oregon's most bizarre, beautiful, and gigantic trees. Yes, this episode is all about the trees. But first, here's some guitar music to get us rolling. All right, David, so today we have a podcast I'm really excited about. We are going to talk about hikes where you can find huge or rare or just downright interesting trees. And to help us, we are joined by Chandra Legui. She is the author of the book Oregon's Ancient Forest, A Hiking Guide, and is the Western Oregon Field Coordinator for the conservation group Oregon Wild. Chandra, thanks for being here. You're welcome. I always like to talk about trees, Zach. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> yeah, so today we'll neglect neither the forest nor the trees, but craft adventures <laughs> featuring both. So Shander and Zach are going to each pick five of their favorite tree-focused hikes in the state. But before we get started, go and tell us a little bit about your book and how it came to be. Sure. Well, for my work at Oregon Wild, I get to take a lot of people on hikes, and I really love turning people on to the beauty of our oldest forest, especially here in Oregon. Um, But we have very few of those left, and I constantly get questions about where people can go to see old growth or ancient forests. And so um, writing a book where to help people find those beautiful places um, seemed like a great idea. And in fact, it was inspired by a book written about 30 years ago, by my late colleague Wendell Wood, um, which was really focused on drawing attention to the fact that on our federal public lands, we were still logging a lot of our old growth forests and what a problem that was. Um, So I wanted to update that and make it a more modern book that people today would love to use. Cool. So how hard was it to pick all the hikes? (laughs) It's pretty hard. There are so many beautiful forested trails here in Oregon. Um, You know, I had a lot of experience getting out and uh, knew a bunch of my favorites already. But I, you know, I I turned to some guidebooks, um, Zach's, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, Bill Sullivan, many other guidebooks out there to kind of get me some inspiration and help me um, actually just get out and explore. And then I could prioritize based on different, you know, distances and difficulties and location and interesting trees that I wanted to highlight. So um, it's not comprehensive of all the, you know, beautiful forests out there, um, but it's it's definitely a compilation of many of my favorites. All right. So is there a range of sort of skills or difficulty levels? Yeah. Yeah. There's everything from, you know, a short half mile to a mile loop to, you know, I think the longest hike that I include is maybe 13 miles round trip with a lot of elevation gain. So there's something for everybody. Cool. All right. So I wanted to ask a little bit about Wendell um, because I got to know him a little bit. I crossed paths with him twice randomly out on very remote forested trails. He even gave me a ride back to my car once. I didn't I had no idea who he was. He was just kind of this friendly kind of forest gnome that I came across and was very helpful. Sadly, you know, he passed away a few years ago. That was a bummer. But what can you tell us about him? And are you kind of picking up his mantle a little bit here? Yeah. Wendell Wendell was a blast to hike with. He uh, he just 
it was like drinking from a fire hose of information yeah. when you're out in the woods, you know, you know, the not only the names of the trees, but, you know, the scientific names and where that came from and what that means and how big they get, just everything. So I learned a lot. So I'm glad you got to meet him out in the woods. Um, yeah, Wendell was a, just a fierce advocate for public lands and forests. And, uh, you know, in his time working for Oregon Wild, um, he, he really drew attention to the plight of our ancient forests that were being logged. Um, he worked really hard to protect places like the Oregon Redwoods and the South Coast. Really has been an inspiration to me. So, yeah, I, I, I would say I would be proud to pick up his mantle and, and um, you know, preach the gospel of, of ancient forests uh, in Oregon. Cool. Well, this will not be the last that we hear from Wendell in this podcast. All right. We're going to go ahead and jump into it. Shander and Zach will go back and forth picking their favorite tree-centric hikes. Zach, go ahead and kick us off. All right. So... As you talked about, my first pick is going to be Oregon Redwoods Trail. And I'm obviously picking this one because they're, it's one of very few places where you can find old growth redwoods on Oregon soil. A lot of people think that's just a California thing, but it's not. And the thing is, I mean, even though the trees in Oregon aren't quite as large as the giant California monsters, you still can find like a 300-foot redwood in Oregon. And that's just cool. It's a reminder that redwoods just look and feel different from any other tree, I think. Now, there's two main places to see them in Oregon, and they're both right around the town of Brookings in the extreme southwest corner of the state. Uh, the most popular is probably Redwood Nature Loop because it's right across from Loeb State Park, a popular fishing spot on the Chetco River. It's a short hike, definitely worth checking out. Um, one of my favorite little tidbits about that is that the largest tree is 296 feet tall, and apparently from the little guidebook, it says that that is enough wood to build eight two-bedroom houses, like <laughs> one tree, apparently. Um, the other place to see redwoods, and this is where Wendell comes back into the story, is the Oregon Redwoods Trail. Now it's a little bit more remote, a little farther back there. I love it because it kind of starts off nondescript, like it's like your average, you know, coastal forest. Then you go just a little ways down the trail and these giant trees just like jump up through the mist. And it really feels like you've come into like a different area. And in fact, you have. <laughs> um, the cool thing about this, we talked about Wendell, is there's a good backstory here. So apparently in, uh, and I read this story from the archives, in 1988, the Forest Service planned to cut 300 of these redwoods. You know, they were some of the last redwoods on Oregon soil. I think Wendell got involved, and then there was a story in the Register Guard, um, and people were genuinely outraged, and so outraged that the sale got canceled. And today, the trail explores this once condemned grove. Do you have anything else? Do you do you remember anything else about that? Um, no, I was. I'm glad you brought that up because, yeah, that that is exactly exemplifies Wendell exactly. You know, finding uh, something <laughs> that would do injustice to our forests and then um, fighting to to right it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's how I knew about that grove that you're talking about. There there wasn't a trail there when Wendell wrote his book in 1990. Okay. Um, and because it was it was saved through you know partly because of his work. Now there's now there's a beautiful trail there, so it's kind of great. He told me so. He's the one who who kind of told me this story when I when I was writing about the Oregon redwoods a few years ago. He said that the trail was from the surveyor's line, hmm. and that like it had been carved out, you know, in preparation for the timber sale, and that you know once it wasn't going to happen, they just turned it into the trail. Amazing. <laughs> We'll take a trail over a over a logging road any day. Yeah, certainly. All right, let's jump to your first pick. Okay, well, I'm going to move a little further up the coast, um, outside of the Redwood Zone, but squarely in the Sitka Spruce Zone. 
Uh, so one of my favorite coastal hikes is at Gwyn Creek at Cape Perpetua. So right just south of Yahats, um, there's a, a couple of loop options there, but my favorite is a six and a half mile loop that starts behind the visitor center at Cape Perpetua and climbs up a ridge, uh, Cook's Ridge, where you get to walk amongst these towering Sitka spruce trees, which really only grow within you know a few miles of the coast. They like that foggy, misty sort of environment. And then you get to climb and sort of like follow the ridge and then um, walk down to Gwen Creek. And as you're descending, the forest completely changes into um, towering Douglas fir trees that have, because you're going downhill, you sort of look down on these big, thick arms that take on all sorts of interesting gnome-like shapes. Um, and uh, and then you, you you know kind of follow the trail down to their base and, and get to admire how, how big they are. So it's a great, great mix. It's a good length. And um, it's, it's, you know, accessible year-round, which is another great thing about hiking mm-hmm. on the Oregon coast. Yeah, those coastal hikes are cool. Is this the one that you you when you come back you can kind of see the ocean? Yeah, yeah. Like when you come when you to complete the loop. Yeah, yes. Um, you can p- complete the loop on the Oregon Coast Trail, mm-hmm. and so you're kind of on a flat land. But yeah, you overlook the ocean. I saw a black bear once hiking on that section of the trail, and yeah, there's there's all sorts of um, of great wildlife opportunities if it's not too busy. And good chanterelle hunting too sometimes, right? You know, I like to not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> You're treading into into secret knowledge here. Touche. All right. Forget I said that. Straight on through to round two. All right. All right. For my second pick, I'm going to go with Echo Basin. And it's a three-mile trail that's just off the South Sanium Highway near Tombstone Pass out east of Sweet Home. The reason I'm picking this trail, which is actually normally known for spring wildflowers. It's kind of a cool little, it ends in this cool little uh, glade uh, with a lot of wildflowers. But the reason I like it, and I'm talking about it now, is it's home to one of Oregon's most impressive groves of Alaska yellow cedar. They are a really cool tree that only grows in a handful of places to Oregon, uh, despite the name they are native to Oregon, not just Alaska. And they really stand out when you come across them in the forest. They have this kind of grayish white shaggy bark and almost a a golden hue to them. And they they just really stick out. Everyone that writes about this trail mentions these trees because they're just cool. One of the reasons they grow in this area is the geologic region. So this is in an area known as the Old Cascades, which is a much older version of the Young Cascades, which are, you know, the volcanoes like Mount Jefferson and the Three Sisters. And there's a lot more interesting stuff in the Old Cascades because they're so old. There's uh, a lot more wildflowers, a lot more biodiversity, and a lot more interesting forests like these trees. Uh, the cool thing about Alaska is they can age up to 1800 years old and just have this cool drooping appearance and the shaggy bark that they just stick out compared to all the other trees in Oregon. So Echo Basin, that is my second pick. Those Alaska yellow cedars do just blow you away on that trail. <laughs> yeah. And in, they're in a few, they're in a scattered other places. Um, there's some down in Southwest Oregon. Apparently there's some in Eastern Oregon mm-hmm. too. And everyone that sees them is like, whoa, it, they have kind of a magical quality to yeah, them. Yeah, they're neat. Cool. cool. Okay, Shannon, number two. Um, you know, riffing off of the Alaska yellow cedars, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna go to Cripple Camp because there's some yellow Alaska yellow cedars on this trail too. So uh, Cripple Camp's in the Rogue Umpqua Divide Wilderness. So it's sort of um, west of Crater Lake National Park, but you can't get there from there. Mm-hmm. You have to go up the South Umpqua River, um, and uh, and then and then hike into the wilderness from there. Um, 
it's only a short way to some of the biggest trees that I've ever seen. Um, there's not many of them, but there's this old shelter, I think Cripple Camp, uh, just kind of cedar shake uh, roof and on the edge of a meadow and just an absolutely enormous Douglas fir tree, as well as uh, incense cedar trees that are four feet in diameter, which you rarely see. Um, and then there's Alaska yellow cedar at the, you know, further in on the trail, but you can hike just about a third of a mile to this uh, this shelter and see these giant trees, uh, which is so spectacular. It's pretty high elevation, and so it, those trees must be, you know, many hundreds of years old to have grown that large. Um, the cool thing there, too, is that if you continue on the trail uh, into the wilderness, uh, you pass a bunch of meadows. Um, so there's just a lot of diversity and the actual hike. And um, and a fire burned through there uh, not too long ago, just a couple of years ago, but didn't really do a whole lot of damage. So um, there's going to be tons of wildflowers in the near future. Cool. The Rogumco divide sticks out because it has these two interesting qualities. On the one hand, like what you're talking about, it's pretty biodiverse and there's a lot of interesting stuff going on forest-wise, but it also has kind of pieces of, there's like mountain lakes and some mountain peaks that are a little bit like, you know, a regular Cascade wilderness, like the Sky Lakes that you think about down there. It kind of has the best of, of both worlds. Yeah, <laughs> and a little out of the way, which is cool. It is out of the way. It definitely does not get nearly as many people. All right, round three. All right, for the third pick, uh, I'm headed down to Southwest Oregon yet again, and I'm going to pick a trail called Myrtle Tree Trail, which, as you might guess, I picked because it's home to some of the most impressive groves of myrtle trees in Oregon. If you've never seen a myrtle tree before, you're not alone. There is a good chance you've seen myrtle wood items because of the famously beautiful colors from the wood. So it's shades of honeys and browns and reds and greens. If you go to the coast, there's a ton of Myrtlewood shops, and the funky wood kind of fits the funky character of the Oregon coast. The trees themselves are just as cool, and that's evident on this trail. It's just east of Gold Beach along the Rogue River. It's a very short little trail, kind of out of the way, but you get there and it looks like something out of a Dr. Seuss book. You know, very short and squat trees with these kind of branches that sprout up like giant antennae into these huge crowns. Um, so yeah, it just looks like the inside of Dr. Seuss's head is the way I would <laughs> best describe Myrtle Tree Trail. Uh, the trail did used to end at the world's largest Myrtle Tree. At the time, it was 42 feet in circumference, so like just a huge base, and then only about eight, 88 feet tall, which isn't super tall, so just that very short, squat uh, character. It sounds like it uh, recently got blown down or something fell on it, so maybe it's not standing as tall as it once did, but it's still going to be worth checking out. Yeah, sort of the base of those trees um, are just incredibly gnarled. Like, you know, if yeah. you're picturing burls on like a maple tree, if you've seen those, but, but you know, 20 times bigger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're really funky. And the, the big tree before it was like there was a, a cavern underneath, so you could like crawl underneath it. And that's a pretty short one, so it's good for families, right? Very short, very good for families. Um, you know, worth hitting on a trip down to, like, uh, Gold Beach or something like that. Just jump up the Rogue River and check it out and go float the Rogue River while you're at it. <laughs> Why not? All right, your pick for number three. Well, I'm going to stick with the Douglas fir 
forest um, and head up to Shale Ridge. It's one of my been one of my favorite hikes for a long time. It's uh, on the divide between the Waldo Lake Wilderness and the Three Sisters Wilderness along the North Fork of the Middle Fork of the Willamette River. <laughs> <laughs> Every time we have to head up in this area, it's this like eight mile long name. Yeah. And you're just like, just look at a map. It'll make sense. <laughs> it's up there somewhere. So the river flows out of Waldo Lake. It's the only outlet and it is spectacular swimming holes. I could go on and on about the North Fork. But this trail up towards its its source uh, is absolutely gorgeous and um, ends at the banks of the river in this really fantastic western red cedar grove. Sorry, I started saying that this was a, a Douglas fir uh, trail, which it is. There's lots of great big Douglas fir, but really the highlight is about three miles in um, where the river uh, kind of has this great braided channel and you can go exploring. Um, but the western red cedars there are are just mind-blowing. It's a whole big grove. Um, it's really sort of flat and wet in the area, and so they've got plenty of nutrition and water and uh, sunlight there and are super happy. Um, and, you know, we're talking about eight to ten feet in diameter and just a whole bunch of these beautiful trees. Cool. So where where does it it's kind of start and end? Like, give me the logistics a little oh, bit. Oh, it's, um, okay, so there's a road, it's called Forest Road 19, or the Auf der Heide Drive, yeah. um, that uh, sort of connects Highway 126 and Highway 58 between the Mackenzie and the Middle Fork of the Willamette. And it's up close to the middle of that, near Box Canyon. Okay. And uh, that's where the trail starts. Gotcha. So, again, a little bit out of the way. It's about an hour outside of Oak Ridge if you're mm. down in that area. Okay. And didn't get touched by any of the burns around the Waldo Lake area? Nope, not at all. It's a little further north of the, the burns um, on the north side of Waldo. Gotcha. All right, round four. All right. For my fourth pick, I'm picking an old favorite. We have talked about it on the podcast before, but it's worth repeating. It is the mythic Valley of the Giants. And that's just a fun name to say. <laughs> I feel it, it's a triumph of marketing, really. It, I know it is. Like, it's almost more famous for the cool name than like the place itself. It lives up to it, though. It does. All right. So the Valley of the Giants is a 51-acre patch of old-growth forest, home to some of the largest, oldest Douglas firs and hemlocks in the state. And they are monstrous, almost redwood-level size, right along the North Fork of the Siletz River. Now, the reason this place sticks out, though, is you know, the large trees for sure, but also because it's surrounded by one of the most heavily logged areas in Oregon. So it's almost like a little island of old growth surrounded by kind of a lot of stumps. It's actually just down the road from the site of the legendary old logging town of Valsets, and which always begs the question of how this grove was not cut. And one of the big reasons was because of a famous writer named Maynard Drossen, so he's a World War II vet and a barber that lived in Salem. And he was known uh, for traveling to wild places around the state, writing about them in his books that he called The Treasures of Oregon Country, kind of precursor to all the, the guidebooks that uh, we read today, kind of the one of the OGs of the outdoor writing world. You are definitely standing on his shoulders Indeed, occasionally. all <laughs> the time, actually. <laughs> and in 1974, he came to the Valley of the Giants, and he's really impressed by the size of the trees, the way they showed the, what the Coast Range forest used to look like before logging and like the Tillamook burn. So it was kind of a remnant slice. And he was horrified by the idea that the trees would eventually be cut because he was assured that that was probably going to happen. And so he started this crusade to save the area. So he gave lectures, took people on field trips, just 
basically wore people down until the Bureau of Land Management was like, fine, okay, it's an outstanding natural area, and there it was. Quick note if you're planning to visit, uh, the drive to the Giants is one of the worst and most confusing in Oregon. Without a good map, you will 100% get lost, (laughs) so make sure to get official directions from the BLM in Salem. I have directions and the map online, so we'll post that. And you wouldn't believe how many people email me and ask for directions to this. It happens at least once a week. (laughs) Yeah, the flip side is, you know, there's still active logging in that same area. So, you know, roads could be blocked or gated or whatever. So It's worth calling the Salem BLM before you make the trip just to make sure the road's open. They'll close it for fire season or for random reasons, whatever. Uh, So it's, it's worth planning out in advance. All right. Your fourth pick. Uh, well, actually, very similar to, to Zach's pick here. I'm going to go with Crabtree Valley. Yeah. And Crabtree Valley, the similarities are, are pretty extensive, actually. This is a fairly small area um, on BLM land that is surrounded by a lot of logging and is very confusing to get to. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, again, I have directions. Oregon Wild's website has, uh, has directions, and, and I would recommend you know, checking with the BLM because the roads aren't in great shape either. Um, but if you can get there, um, it is so well worth it. This is home to some of the oldest Douglas fir trees that you will find in this state. Um, the one that's best known is called King Tut. Um, and it's estimated that that tree and a few of the ones surrounding it are in the thousand-year-old range. Douglas firs don't get much older than that. So that's pretty incredible. There's also a grove uh, just on the edge of Crabtree Lake that you can hike to that has, you know, a whole big grove of trees that are 10 to 12 feet in diameter and just towering and spectacular. So even if you can't find King Tut, um, <laughs> because it's it's not really on a trail, um, the trees in the general area are really spectacular. And it does beg the question is, you know, as with Valley of the Giants, why is this still here? And it actually is also a similar story. Um, it's for one, the trees are so old and they remain there in part because it's in this really interesting geography geological area that has some cliffs and interesting rock formations. Um, It's part of the old Cascades um, that have protected it from fire. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of the times we don't see trees that are 800 or 1,000 years old simply because fire, you know, burns more frequently than that in all of our forests in Oregon. So this is protected um, from fire. And then... um, in the past, people have, you know, discovered this amazing place and, and fought to first transfer it from uh, private ownership into BLM hands um, back several decades ago, and then um, getting the BLM to designate it as um, an area of critical environmental concern so that it's um, that it will never be locked. It is a funky kind of uh, experience traveling there because you kind of go down that old road. You know, you start off on this road. Oh, hiking on it. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're just kind of like, where are we going? And then you get down there and it's a cool forested lake. And then what you do is you just kind of like poke around there and you're just like, whoa, there's just like big tree after big tree. But you sort of like just explore around the lake to find it. Yeah. So, yeah. So it it helps to, I don't know, have a spirit of exploration (laughs) if you want to go and actually find these. It's not it's not really for folks who are just looking for an on-trail experience. No, it's, it's yeah, and I remember it being a pretty confusing drive, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, bring us home with round five. All right, for the final pick, I'm going to go with a very famous grove of trees. It's a group of trees that you could argue led to the famous battle for Opal Creek that raged for almost two decades during the height of Oregon's forest wars. 
place I'm talking about is known as Cedar Flats, and it's home to 500 to 1,000-year-old western red cedars. Really beautiful trees, much more common than the Alaska yellow cedars we talked about earlier, but I like them almost as much, and this is a great example of how impressive they can get. So Cedar Flats, it's located on the Opal Creek Trail on a section known as the Kapeski Trail that runs south of Jawbone Flats, the little education center and wilderness village. And it's about nine to 10 miles round trip to reach Cedar Flats. Now, if you don't know the story of Opal Creek, um, I'd encourage you to read our 12-part feature on the history. There's a lot there. But in a nutshell, it was one of the really pitched battles of the timber wars that raged in Oregon from the 70s into the 1990s, pit loggers and environmentalists against each other. Over the issue primarily of old growth logging, spotted owl habitat, Opal Creek was a flashpoint here because it was home to one of the last ancient forests in the Cascade foothills, this temperate rainforest. A guy named George Itia waged a decades-long battle to prevent the Opal Creek watershed from being logged. So he used lawsuits, mining laws, media attention, all the stuff to stop the Opal Creek area from being logged. Now, when I wrote this series of features, I talked to George about what kind of got him to fight so hard. And he told me a story about going up to Cedar Flats and seeing those giant trees when he was a kid. And he said it was a spiritual experience that the trees talked to him. And he said that experience kind of gave him the will to do basically anything to stop them from being cut. If you appreciate Opal Creek for what it is today, um, it's worth heading up to see those trees and kind of feel that inspiration. Um, again, go in the off season to avoid the crowds. But uh, it's one of Oregon's great hikes and even more fun with that history. <laughs> It is a truly special place, and there's plenty of off-trail experiences to be had mm -hmm. in the Opal Creek Wilderness, and I highlight one of my own spiritual experiences in the Opal Creek Wilderness in the beginning of my book. So I'm not going to I'm not going to recall it here, but you can check it out. Yeah. <laughs> What's your fifth pick? Okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take us out east. Uh, we've been talking mostly about Western Oregon, but in my book, I got to travel all over the state, and some of my favorite forests and trees are in the Ponderosa Pine Zone. So um, one of my favorites is in the Malheur River Canyon. Um, that is a wild and scenic river that's south of John Day and east of Highway 395 and Burns, kind of in the middle of nowhere. Um, but uh, there's about an eight-mile trail that follows the Malheur River Canyon, and there's just spectacular ponderosa pines with those, you know, big chunky orange bark um, leaning over this beautiful river. There's also a lot of western larch that grow along the in the forest there, which um, have similar sort of bark. But they're deciduous conifer trees. They lose their needles in the fall. So if actually go in the in the fall as they turn color, it's really spectacular anywhere you find larch trees in eastern Oregon. But along the, the Malheur River Trail, it's relatively flat, follows the river. And um, if you're spending some time, you know, in the in the Malheur National Forest, this is definitely a place to go. Cool. All right. Well, we put together a pretty solid checklist of hikes for tree enthusiasts. Are there any you two didn't get to? Any honorable mentions? Uh, one real quick one for me is the Middle Santiam Wilderness. Um, it has a lot of the – it's that low elevation Cascadia forest, uh, similar to Opal Creek or Bull of the Woods Wilderness. A lot more solitude out there. It's kind of a pain in the butt to get out there. It's near the old Cascades, um, but Middle Santiam would be a cool place that I'd recommend checking out. 
Awesome. And man, it's hard to pick, but I am kind of a sucker for uh, forests that are recovering from fire. Um, they're really interesting and you can find some, you know, interesting trees that are still alive after a fire burns through an area, see how they've been scarred by fire, see how new, you know, new life is coming back. So one of the places that um, I like and has a ton of diversity is Grizzly Peak, which okay. is just outside of Ashland um, in the Cascade Siskiyou National Monument. Um, it's got a lot of diversity, a lot of live trees uh, in, in a really beautiful old growth forest. But up at the top, a fire burned through there about 30 years ago and is recovering. And it's just um, a really interesting study in forests. Yeah. Grizzly Peak is a cool one, too. You get those panoramic views of, like, Ashland and all the way down yeah, to, to Mount Shasta. It's a good one. Wildflowers and butterflies. And, yeah, it's great. It has everything. One other one that's fun that I like that's uh, wildfire scarred is uh, the Eight Lakes Basin in the Mount Jefferson Wilderness. Wrote a story about it when I, we did a retrospective on the B&B wildfire that torched San Am Pass. And what's fun about the Eight Lakes Basin is that area was hit really hard, like high tree mortality. But when you go out there now, there's just this entire like dwarf forest that is that is emerging below the snags. And so you you feel like you're in the land of Illiputians or something because you're just there's just like a ton of like chest waist high like trees everywhere you go, just like a huge carpet of them. Uh, so that's another fun place to check out. Cool. All right, that's about all the time we have for today with our deep look at tree-focused hikes in Oregon. Shandra, thanks for joining us. As always, if you like what you heard, check out our previous episodes at statesandjournal.com explore. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher. Thanks for listening.